a very special episode of Optimism Vaccine. You know, there's a crisis sweeping the globe. It's one that's affected millions of people. And if you haven't been affected yourself, chances are you know someone who has been. Today, we're going to be talking about that crisis. It's the one thing on everyone's mind. See his new feature-length film, Music. <laughs> and we brought together a panel of experts for this SIA symposium. Uh, joining us from the West Coast, Jake Trapila. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? I'm, you know, I'm I'm hanging in there. But thank you for asking. It's uh, it's been a a difficult week for all of us, I think. So, Jake, what uh, what expert credentials are you bringing to the table today for this roundtable discussion of a very important issue? Oh, Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> I uh, I guess you could say I'm a published film critic, so my opinion does in fact matter. Oh yeah. RT certified motherfuckers. That's right. That's right. Pulling the credentials. That's good. That's good. Uh, we also have Jack Eason, and I know he's a SIA expert because he was pronouncing SIA as uh, SIA, I believe, is, is how you're pronouncing it, right? <laughs> SIA, I'm seeing, yeah, Reddit would agree that SIA is the correct pronunciation. Uh, I really don't know. Um, but as for my <laughs> credentials, I have seen probably like seven seasons of dance moms for some fucking reason <laughs> that's probably seven too many uh so the, the whole saya thing is that like is that the same as is how you call thin lizzie you call it tin lizzie in ireland is that is that the same <laughs> yes it is the exact identical thing that's you nailed it somehow that's yeah that's gotta be what Reddit is disputing the pronunciation of, of Sia? I mean, it's in the fucking movie. It seems kind of cut and dry at this stage. What, what's I mean, the argument? sure, but I feel like let's cater to everyone and just alternate pronunciation sometimes. <laughs> just why not? Sia, Sia. Yeah, that's good. It's whatever you want it to be. I'm not sure we should day. use the movie music as the final word on anything. Yeah, it's true. Has it right about anything? Sia. Yeah, she has mispronounced her own name in, in her own film. I'm certain that's the case. I, I wouldn't put it past her at this point. Uh, Myros, I, you know, I guess for your introduction, I, I would ask for your credentials, but I don't believe you have any. Um, no, certainly You know, not. one thing, I, I normally would play a trailer for whatever we're talking about, but with music, the problem is is uh, the uh, the music in music. It's all big pop songs written by Sia and I don't want to get us in trouble I don't want like a DMCA takedown notice or something on the podcast but I was thinking why don't you why don't you sing one of the the songs for us uh maybe maybe the opening song that old body song or you could sing the the together song at the end is there one that you prefer I I, I couldn't recall any of these songs even if I were so inclined frankly I, 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 you, you don't you just... don't know the the, the, the body song she's and the, the song it's going oh body oh body and then she answers the phone and no one's on the other end and everything's orange and she's covered in foam lightning bolts you don't you don't recall that oh yeah I, I recall just that part where they're the, the old bodies I guess oh body oh body oh body oh body oh there body, you go oh, body. there you oh. go that's, that's, that's Steve, you're referring to really the good. opening song right 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, the problem was I was just so incredulous at the decisions the actress was making with her face. Uh, I could not <laughs> tell you a single lyric or musical beat from that song. Oh, it's really it's good. It's so good. It's, the, the it comes out of the gate song, so hard. The, yeah, the, the lyrics to that song are basically just all about how autistic people's bodies are a cage that, that locks them down and in their dreams they fly free. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Inspiring. Yeah, you know, in a lot of movies that would be deemed problematic, I feel like they kind of build up to it. But this one, <laughs> it's like a shotgun blast to the face of horrible, dumb shit. And then it just sort of fizzles into like a low background hum of this is wrong and dumb. Is that, is that a fair way to, yeah, to kind of it's, it's frame it? It's a shame. Um, the, yeah, the opening sequence is like Jake said, a pretty incredulous. Um, I, I actually noticed about halfway through that my jaw was hanging open, which doesn't happen that often with movies. That it's just sort of like, oh wow. Um, I, I the the actress in question, Maddie Ziegler, uh, was fourteen, I believe, when this was shot. So honestly, she she's exonerated. She honestly, based on all accounts, uh, she knew better than the director on this thing. She was quite uncomfortable with this role for a while, and then Sia was like, no, it'll be fine. And that didn't work out at all. But um, yeah, it, it, it just opens with this kind of awful sequence of, of the lead actress kind of in a dance number, but she it's a dream and it's a dance number. And she kind of like starts with these like comical ticks and physical affectations and pulling just complete like grimaces, face distortion, which, yeah, I mean, right? It, it's, it's like <laughs> comedy. Uh, it's just really awkward and it kind of leans right into like the the worst hollywood attempts at portraying people with physical disabilities and to just like open with it it's just like you say like it's just like wham like just straight in your face and it's kind of like the rest of the movie you're right the rest of the movie is really just kind of like a shitty tv movie but to just hit you with that up front is just kind of like like who that the the whole movie honestly just has the feeling of like Sia can do it and no one could stop her and that's the whole movie it just has that feeling of like a lot of people probably asked questions and tried but no one could stop her this is absolutely a vanity project and uh she's paying dearly for it i think well she kind of is uh, there's lots of outrage but she's still got two golden globe nominations so yeah it's uh, on knows? one hand She's probably going to make a lot of money and she's already filthy rich and this won't affect her long term. And she got two Golden Globe nominations. On, other hand, on the other hand, she is a dedicated poster and she deleted her Twitter account. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a balanced thing, really, at the end of the day. She really does. She brings the, the poster energy to everything she does in this, which is I think it's part of the reason why she's so weird and sucks huge ass. Because, <laughs> like, I was reading about how she cast this movie because people are upset because Mandy Ziegler, who who plays uh, the titular role of, of music um, and is, uh, you know, uh, acting out all these horrible things that Sia has scripted for her, uh, people were upset because they're like, well, not only is this offensive, but you could have cast someone who is actually autistic and there's autistic actresses out there and you could have done this, that, and the other thing and you didn't. But... What people don't realize is uh, Sia actually cast this movie using Twitter. Um, she uh, she reached out to Maddie in like a public Twitter conversation. She was just like, ah, 
Hi, you want to be in my movie? And then same thing with Leslie Odom Jr. and and Kate Hudson. She was just like DMing and, and publicly tweeting at people saying, I want to be in my movie. Which is her whole shtick. It's this like uh, cutesy, fun, uh, you know, quirky, whatever uh, personality. So she's always acting like like she does. She does the thing where she wears the wig that covers her face. And it, it is like it, when you first see it, the year is 2014. You're seeing Sia for the first time. You're like, oh, wow, that's like really striking and interesting that she covers up her face and this, that and the other thing. And then you realize that it's she's she's not committed to the gimmick. And this is important because, you know, Daft Punk announced today that they're done. You can find pictures of the Daft Punk guys from I don't know how many years ago without their, you know, helmets on or whatever. You can you could find that if you look for it. But it's not something that is readily offered to you. While Sia is not she's not committed to like the weird, distant, you know, bizarro artist with a giant bow on her head and a weird wig covering her eyes. No, she got she like went on Ellen and was just like, oh well, I'm nervous to do this, but I'm gonna take off my wig on the Ellen show. Oh. And just just acted like, oh, it's it's such a scary thing. Giggle giggle. No, you're not committed. You always commit to the gimmick. Sia is not committed. This is all just a big fucking show for her. It's super fucked up, frankly, that Sia is pretty much like, um, God, she's, she's in her 40s now. And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm publicity shy. And she keeps her, you know, keeps her public identity kind of like swirled away. And yes, she has costumes and things, you know. Um, and yet she's basically just been using a teenage girl as her like avatar you know, mm-hmm. media up front and center and basically becomes the target. Like Maddie Ziegler became the target for this thing as the lead actress, effectively, or one of the lead actresses. It's just a very weird look to have this kind of like, this is my passion project, but, you know, I'm going to, I'm a reclusive star. I don't want to be in the limelight. So here's just like this 14 year old girl. And if you're pissed yeah. off, just, just shoot, shoot some stuff her way. And that's exactly what she does. She's I wouldn't even describe her as reclusive because she's not. She's constantly in the public, constantly talking about shit, constantly being like, oh, you know, I just I just want to be able to go to the grocery store. It's like you don't give a fuck about any of this. It's it's all bullshit to you. It doesn't matter. But you are right in saying that she she takes Maddie Ziegler and just kind of like, you know, shoves her out there. It's like, all right. Yeah. Launch all your arrows at this (laughs) this child. And this isn't even the first time this happened because. Um, I, I guess this would have been back in like 2015. She did a music video. Uh, it wasn't Chandelier, but it was like the one after Chandelier, whatever that was. Was that Elastic Heart or something? Yeah, Elastic Shia Heart. One? Yeah, Shia LaBeouf uh, during his I'm not going to take a bath phase of life, which I'm sure that was great for everyone. And and Maddie Ziegler and they're in like a dome like cage and they kind of have a cage fight. And people were like, this is pedophilia. And <laughs> Sia didn't really say much. And then there's, but there's interviews. Uh, oh, entertainment tonight with Maddie Ziegler explaining that it's actually uh, two aspects of Sia's subconscious wrestling with one another. And the male represents her father who could not escape drug addiction. And all this shit that is just like fed to her to, to take all of the, the garbage that should be being heaped onto Sia. And she's a child. She's a child. Yeah, it, it's just, and I know there's a there's a lot of like, you know, Sia did this, she said this, going around. But I wanted to try to back up some of my sources here. Uh, according to Slate.com, uh, Sia was on Australian talk show called The Project, where she was discussing music. 
And uh, she says that Maddie Ziegler had a hard time on the set portraying an autistic person because she did not want to feel like she was making fun of somebody with autism. But Sia encouraged her to keep going with her direction. That's why we have this uh, fundamentally misguided, awful performance. It's all Sia's fault. She she just truly believed in her bullshit project as an artist, and uh, it is yeah. all the worse for it. Yeah, well, she took seven years to make this thing. Again, this wasn't like a, a fly-by night. Oh, I guess I'll make a movie. I'm a rich person. Yeah. She has been... She, she wrote it. Uh, she said that she originally uh, tried to cast uh, an actual autistic a actress, but um, the uh, autistic actress was uncomfortable on set, so it didn't work out, so she brought Maddie in. But that doesn't seem to be true, because she cast Maddie in everything and was writing this God knows how long ago. So that seems like bullshit. She's on record saying that she, like in another interview, I think I read it with The Independent in the in the UK, uh, where Sia said that... Um, she absolutely like she couldn't envision making the film without Maddie, which is you know <laughs> counterpoints the whole other thing. I also saw somewhere else um, that possibly the with the when she originally hired like a person with autism to star in it, it may not have been that they were uncomfortable. It may have been that Sia was uncomfortable working mm. with them or just didn't really like working with them. Oh yeah, I, this seems more likely. Heard, heard she had a, a short temper and just got frustrated with the audition process when seeking out actual. Uh, actors and actresses with autism and uh, going so far as to uh, attack them on Twitter when uh, somebody pointed out, you know, why not cast somebody? And then there's people who are, you know, tweeting at her saying, uh, you know, these people with autism are also actors and actresses. Why not take them into consideration and see what reply like, maybe you're just not a good actor. Uh, as if <laughs> Ziegler had the Jesus. keys to the, to the, <laughs> to the victory here. Well, yeah. uh, the question here is, it, Okay, so we want to make this movie, and and she likes this the physicality of this dancer, and great. Why does this movie even need to involve autism? Frankly, it's, it doesn't. It's not it, central it to the plot really at all. I mean, to call Ziggler the lead actress is is misleading. I mean, she's in the title, but it's just almost ancillary. Kate Hudson is is the lead actress of this film, and they would function just as well if you were to just put a, a stock indie quirky character with these non-existent uh, rich inner life that she's projecting upon the world. I mean, these things are already tropes that are nonsense and give people uh, false hope about their lives or, or make them. I I don't know. I, I, I feel like this rich inner life trope is, is so idiotic because this is like no one lives that way. And do you want people to think like they're, broken for not seeing the world this way or they could never succeed artistically or anything like that what's the fucking purpose of this trope but so we want to utilize it just bring in bring in a manic pixie dream girl and be fucking done with it we don't need this mental health aspect it doesn't add anything to the film it just it detracts well it got people talking i guess but i mean you're right i mean when i was watching it um holly was was in the room watching it too and she pointed out that honestly if you just made it about a child who wants to grow up and be like freer and has dreams of being you know freer and and you know more self-actualized or whatever it would be the exact same movie and there would be no controversy whatsoever about it you know that that would be totally fine 
I would go farther than to say there wouldn't be controversy, and I, I would go so far as to say it would probably be like an Academy Award front runner because that's what <laughs> they fucking look for. Yeah, cool it'd just be year. a regular shitty movie instead of this yeah, shitty it, movie. In, entirely possible. And, and like what, what confused me is like it's not a movie about autism. It's also not for autistic people. Um, like people point out there's, there's multiple elements in this film that for a lot of people on the spectrum may actually find quite jarring in terms of its sensory design. Um, on top of the fact it's also harmful to autistic people. It includes that scene where they basically wrestle music to the ground and hold her until she's calm, which um, I just realized Sia has since gone on record saying she's going, she's, this movie only barely came out and she's already said in later printings she's going to remove this scene. <laughs> like, this is a disaster. She said that back uh, beginning of February... And she said that like when it dropped on demand or whatever, that she would put a warning in front of it and, and cut out the yeah the, the scenes where music is wrestled to the ground violently. Which is super I'm going dangerous. to hug you. I'm going to smother you with my love. Uh, but she didn't do it. It's still it's, all the shit's still there. So, I mean, I don't know if we got the hot off the presses version or what. Happens twice in the movie, too, as a way that Kate Hudson learns this is how you... I'm just going to say deal with somebody who has autism. That's the, that is the, the cruel yeah. reality that Sia believes that you have to pin them down so they cannot yeah. move until they stop freaking out. It's insane to me because I, for, I first encountered holding or whatever, whatever you would call that technique. I think they call it holding in Rest, a restraint, or a restraint yeah, like in a 1967 documentary called Warrendale, which is a really great documentary uh, by Alan King, who's a kind of a, a direct cinema kind of champion in, in Canada. And Warrendale is about like this experimental home for troubled kids, not with like, you know, autism, but just troubled generally by the, the state is determined they can't be in regular school. So they're being sent to Warrendale to see what they can do with them and whip them into shape or whatever. And that's where I first encountered that the, the people working there would just subdue the children and just lie on them until they were tired out or couldn't, you know, move anymore. And in that movie, it was controversial. In 1967, there were people like going like, uh, this might not be great. Um, you know, and, and it appears every autism kind of group denounces this. And it's like it's known to be really dangerous. And it's resulted in several deaths, um, you know, among police particularly who are very good at getting on top of people anyway have you know killed several autistic people and children using this technique and it's condemned roundly by almost everyone and then Sia just comes along and puts it in a movie and then later on says sorry I listened to some of the wrong people and it's like where did you even find these people like if you go on the internet <laughs> I didn't find anyone who said it was okay like you have to dig through <laughs> layers of people saying it's bad before you find anyone who'd be like yeah no just put it in there it's incredible. Well, I feel like she wrote it first and then just kind of went around to find someone to be like, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> she actually said that she she said in an interview, I don't know, I think it was like Good Morning America or something. She's like, they're like, oh, well, you know, when the trailer dropped, you were really, uh, there's a lot of controversy on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, well, we, we, we sent it off to, uh, you know, the, the autism rating board and, and they gave it, they gave Maddie's performance 100%. 100%. Can you believe Did it? Did she fund the board? <laughs> like... yeah, well, the other thing is, like, oh, is that is that what you do? Is there just, like, a, a governing body that determines? 
<laughs> I mean, it would be, it would be exactly the same, I guess, as sending sending your movie off to like the child appropriate boards or whatever to work out if your mm-hmm. movie's good for kids, and it would just be like a bunch of weird Christians in a room who think anyone gives a shit what they think. Like the idea, yeah, there's like a centralized board would make no sense for such a thing. Um, in the credits for the film. I think Autism Speaks is the only group that's thanked. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I and cursory internet research suggests also they are kind of like on the on the spectrum of autism groups, they are like on the fringe. They are not mainstream. Uh, if you like type in Google like Autism Speaks, Google like starts auto-populating like controversy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of awkward, really. Uh, and they, again, appear to be the only people. Here's the slogan for Autism Speaks or whatever. This is their central belief is that this disease has taken our children away. It's time to get them back where they don't they, they view autism as a disease that their children are suffering from. And it's not just something that that their children have. It's a very it's a very evil organization from what I understand. Right, yeah, great. Is that the one that um, what's his name, uh, Alfonso Cuaron did the did the ad for? Because I know he did I some real so, controversial. Yes. Yeah, 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 they did a really same, controversial yeah. advert that was the exact same thing. That's basically like we can cure autism and make these kids normal. And what's it's like uh, that? What do they book. propose to cure autism? That's not a thing that that could possibly research, be done. Give them money and they'll do research. I think I'm pretty sure like autism speaks are like Susan G. Komen for autism, but maybe even more harmful. Like just basically just yeah. money grubbers, probably. You know, just fun. Basically, funneling fun all the money and that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Um. Well. <laughs> thinking about the like the 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 tackle the smother with love technique the. <laughs> The thing about that is there's no way that that wasn't supposed to be in there from the beginning and that she like, even if she talked to the yahoos at uh, Autism Speaks and, you know, listen to what they had to say, I guarantee she didn't add that in because it's it's like part of, uh, what, what's her face? Zoo. <laughs> I'm sorry. The main character's name is Kazoo, but we call her Zoo in the movie. Spelled uh, with a U for some reason? Spelled with a, yeah, yeah. Uh because yeah, she's I don't know why she's repping the Zulu nation. Um, she it, that's like her whole character arc and development. Like that's a huge turning point for her because she finally is able to you know not put herself first and not rely on other people to do things for her. And she, that's where she has this breakthrough sort of. So yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it doesn't, if you edit that out, then the film's... I mean, it's less offensive, but worse <laughs> narratively somehow. It, it's it's great, because, yeah, because so we mentioned Zazu, played by Kate Hudson, is she's a recovering alcoholic, um, or recovering drug user, I guess, both, maybe. Just yeah, pills, dude, and alcohol. She, she's a drug dealer, um, but she's a recovering alcoholic, I guess, is the primary thing. Um, but it, it conflates so because we say this movie's not really about autism at all, frankly. Um, that's just it seems like just a weird thing that Sia latched onto. It's Sazu is a recovering alcoholic. See, or, or music has autism. Um, there's the the magical Negro character, frankly, who you know. I mean, I, I use that term with full offense intended to just the the writing of this thing. That's exactly what he is. It's like mm-hmm. this is driving Miss Daisy right back. You know. Um, he keeps referring to his African village and in Africa, and he just spouts wisdom to help 
uh, the white people be better people uh, but he's struggling with his own I, I guess feelings of disconnection and disaffection yeah. there's another like a stoic kid cuck. who's <laughs> yeah there's another kid whose who's parents are mean to him his, who's an, an adopted kid and his, his Asian parents are just super mean to him and run like this grungy dry cleaners then he just gets murdered by his dad yeah it's a weird <laughs> yeah, but, but but the whole thing is like the, the movie conflates all of these things as like problems people have, which is like substance abuse, terrible parents, being an African and uh, autism. Uh, yeah, Jack, I think you forgot a key aspect of our African friend. <laughs> yeah. What is the man from Africa suffering from? <laughs> Yeah, oh, this, he's got oh, a double Jesus whammy. Christ. My brain blocks that. <laughs> yeah, he's got AIDS and his wife <laughs> left him to fuck his brother and he's going to go to the wedding and give a speech. Oh, God. They ruined that <laughs> wedding too, but that's one of the least stupid things in the movie. Oh. We should also mention that he's uh, the, the the magical Negro, as you put it. Uh, his name's Ebo or Ebo. He's played by Leslie Odom Jr., uh, an American actor who was born in Queens but uh, Sia has him speak with a very strong uh, African dialect throughout. I, I guess mm-hmm. to drive the point home. But uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, and like, there's no particular reason for him to be African, you know. As well, that's how, that's the reason he has AIDS, right? I mean, you know, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. We, we got to narratively yeah. tie that. <laughs> as, we, as we dive into the the incredible world as understood by Sia. <laughs> There's there's really there's layers here and and people are are underselling it cuz like we said the whole thing with the african guy subplot with the aids and the the like brother fucking and all that that's a whole different layer of weird racist dumb sea shit and it's the other weird part about this is obviously the internet is upset and Instead of pointing out that that shit with Leslie Odom Jr. is fucked up and clearly written by idiot Sia without any thought, um, they got mad because someone took from the the opening scene. So music opens with like a black background and all you see is Maddie Ziegler's face. Um, It's like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody or something, you know, and then it just kind of... uh, she awakens and then is in this kind of like orange room bouncing around dancing whatever the fuck anyways someone took that scene like they froze it on the frame where it's transitioning from the the solid black background to this orange world that she's that music is in and then they like fucked with the contrast so like it, it basically they tried to make it look like Maddie Ziegler was wearing blackface, and then there was this like horrible. It's it's like when your your uncle who's like sixty three and never logs off of Facebook when he's posting those like low res JPEG memes that just look like they've been somehow like degraded in quality a million times. It was that level of quality. People are like this is a direct screenshot from music and it definitely has blackface and Sia does blackface. It's like, no, no, no. This is clearly doctored. There's serious racial problems in here, but let's focus on the real fucking problems. I was, I heard that. I, I heard a number of people talking about how, how music was supposed to be biracial. I'm like, I don't, don't remember that for the movie. But then again, as we've already demonstrated, my, I think my brain went into overdrive trying to just like shut down as much of this film as it could while I was trying to get in through my, my cerebral cortex or whatever and um, yeah mm-hmm. i mean the, the her race relations like it's it's one of those movies that's kind of like 
um, you know, like New York City is like the United Colors of Benetton. It's got like, you know, an emissary of all of like the major uh, races or ethnicities, but no understanding of any of them. There's no real differentiation. So it's like kind of like that, that quote unquote colorblind view, like we're all just humans. And then she just kind of like leans just into bizarre stereotypes for secondary characters, like um, particularly the abuse of Asian parents confuse the hell out of me. They have an adopted son who's Hispanic, um, who wants to dance. That's his thing. He wants to dance, but his his father uh, dancing's not manly, so his father no. wants him to dance in the ring. And sends, <laughs> yeah, and, and sends him to uh, to Leslie Odom Jr.'s boxing class. He runs boxing classes as well. It's worth noting for whatever reason to work with the youth in the neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just such a bizarre thing. Uh, like, uh, you know, like this, this Asian, the Asian parents are like, they're cruel and overbearing and terrible. But then there's like later on, it turns out really it's just the dad is cruel and overbearing, toxic masculinity kind of a thing. Um, but don't know, is that like, is that him or is that he's the only Asian, like him and his wife are the only Asian people in the entire film. So they become mm. inadvertently emissaries of an entire continent well they're on screen for like 30 seconds and every time yeah. they're shown they're just menacing that's the, they're only just like, mm, better toughen up mm. <laughs> oh and then this leads to directly i mean frankly there's a joke in this which i, I thought was a, like essentially their son wants to dance and the father won't let him so he sends him to boxing and there's this scene a pivotal scene in the film where um Leslie Odom Jr.'s character is talking to all the different kids at the boxing class, and he gives this this speech about how, you know, the world is very cruel and tough and unforgiving, you know, and, and you've got to prepare yourself for that. You should, you know, you, you, you can't stop the world from being the way it is, so you've got to, you know, prepare yourself for that, you know, and uh, it, it culminates in talking about how sometimes it, the most important thing is to is to dodge the hit rather than to throw the punch. You know, so with, when mm-hmm. you're in this world that can be so uncaring, sometimes it's just important to, for your own preservation, just get out of the way of things. And then later on, this kid who was bad at boxing, he right, also in his boxing thing, none of them wear helmets in an amateur boxing club, which seems no. super dangerous. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. So uh, the, the kid goes into a boxing match and instead of touching gloves with his opponent, he hugs him because he's just too dosh gosh darn nice and soft and he just doesn't want to be a boxer single tears rolling down my cheek just thinking about it i gotta be honest with you so that's <laughs> yeah uh... <laughs> and, and then he, he goes home and his dad takes a swing at his mom and instead backhands him and he falls over and clips his head on a counter and dies and it's like literally i mean that's a joke that's literally a guy saying look sometimes the most important thing in boxing and in life is to dodge the punch and he fucking doesn't it's like that's that's a joke effectively yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of written off as this like just really just kind of meaningless series of events because Sia functionally doesn't really understand what she's doing uh, she has this, this general idea that uh, if she throws in some colorful music numbers whatever the hell she's doing will become uplifting and spiritual <laughs> yeah there's in addition to the racial racial disconnect is also an economic disconnect pretty pretty hard in this film I would say like what situation yeah. does she leave her characters in at the end of this film? Like, we, we act as if things have been solved and, and life is moving forward for Kate Hudson, but what we have in reality is some sort of capitalist nightmare story where she's bound to end up in, in fucking prison because 
she has lost thousands of dollars worth of, of drugs that Sia herself, as an insert in the film, was planning to buy for charity purposes. <laughs> Which is played seriously. That, that, oh, that, that's this the is, part where I'm wondering, like, is she putting us on? Like, is yeah, this is whole she thing a fucking joke? Yeah. How could you not? Like, Sia, as Sia, shows up in a movie to buy... She says, oh, Eddie, Eddie, you know, morphine, whatever you got, just bring it all to me by tomorrow. Got to put it on a plane and sit. I like how I'm making your like fucking Mary Poppins now instead of Australian, whatever. That's not a knife. Uh, okay, there, I'm back in it. Anyways, she's, she's buying these drugs to give to earthquake victims in Haiti and is presented as like, she comes off as an idiot piece of shit trying to like do well, but also it seems like Sia, the director, is not aware that Sia, the actress, is coming off that way. Like the the way that the way that she is presented, and the way she comes off, there, there could not be a bigger fucking disconnect. It is yeah, you, horrifying. You couldn't write a more damning indictment of the entire thesis of the film than Sia's own self insert in this film as yeah, like a clueless celebrity who thinks they're helping and in actuality is just doing something insane. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, and the consequence of that is that Kate Hudson loses these these tons of pills that she uh, had fronted by her drug dealer, uh, and beyond that, she is then shown to be uh, newly sober, fully committed to this sort of uh, reformed life, and begging to get sort of part-time retail employment and being rejected at every turn, at which point she decides that she's going to put Music in a mental hospital? As if that's something that happens in our country? Uh, uh, is she going to pay the uh, $10,000 a fucking month it's going to cost for this? Because yeah, she can't. And yeah, then, man, she's going to be working 20 hours a week at Boost Mobile. She'll be fine. Yeah, right. So <laughs> then uh, then it proceeds to be like, oh, it's it's fixed now because she's, she's going to end up with this uh, African boxer instructor who can't afford his own medication to stave off his... AIDS and it's just like this whole fucking conclusion is like these people are fucking ruined like they have no chance of ever fucking but living Adam, a normal in their, life in, in their world. dreams they can dance yeah they can dance <laughs> yeah. but yeah, they, you know, it, they it, sing it at the fuck brother wedding this, <laughs> it is incredible in this film that an entire film that that posits about autism there is absolutely no view of an economic reality to that in terms of treatment or support or anything nothing if you no can't handle uh, if you can't handle the situation you just drop them off at the old hospital and they'll be good to go no this is america motherfucker they'll throw them <laughs> out in the street yeah worse than that i mean this kind of like because she she ultimately doesn't leave music in the mental hospital or whatever because she realizes you know it would be cruel it's a you know it's a sterile bureaucratic environment and they're on they say themselves they're understaffed they're like look someone will come to get you know she's like what happens if she has like a panic attack or whatever in the night you know will someone come and the nurse is kind of like i mean eventually you know like it's it's played out so she she stays with her and i mean like the lesson of this is effectively you know if you are struggling to look after someone suffering from any kind of debilitating illness you know and you're you're struggling it's because you just don't love them enough i mean like that's the fundamental crux of this film it's like you know you just got to keep sacrificing and eventually through some saintly act, which isn't even in this film, somehow everything will work out okay because love is the most important thing. And it's just such a grotesquely just not even useless, just mean message. 
cruel mm-hmm. message Indeed. in, in yeah. a society that absolutely requires you to pay money to do these things and hates people with disabilities and hates people who don't aren't productive i mean the whole concept you know you staying at home and being a caregiver is you're not productive you're not making anyone money with that you know i mean what was what was even if as we enter the film if you take even like the slightest step back from the narrative as specifically prescribed by sia that that you're supposed to just kind of ignore any real world implications of any of this but what what was grandma's plan before she fucking had a stroke and died she didn't have another dime to her she she was paid up through the month and then what she she seemingly was retired and caring for music full-time but uh, she seemed on the verge of ruin herself everyone is is just on the knife with capitalism in this movie and, and it's just ignored <laughs> yeah she's killed by a uh, popsicle fun fact the the burden yes. of that knowledge mm-hmm. <laughs> she couldn't handle it <laughs> i think the best writing in the movie comes on the popsicle sticks in the in the opening scenes but <laughs> what was the trivia that seven is the only number with more than one syllable or something like that. Yeah, between no. one and ten. Yeah, between yeah. one and ten. And she counts yeah. through. She and counts like, it, mm, and goes, then she oh, dies. and then dies. <laughs> and eats shit. Oh my god. <laughs> That's it, man. It's just like her fucking third eye open because she realized that. <laughs> she she should have gone with something like on the popsicle sticks, like you know, if you're giving you know like a co- you know compression when someone's having like a heart attack, uh, you should do it to like the the beats of like uh, whatever staying alive, alive by the Bee Gees. If you could fit all that in a popsicle stick, and then she should have died of a heart attack, and that would have mm. like just more underlined the whole colossal confusion of this film. And um, one one of the things I just like. Okay, we, we've discussed there's just a lot wrong with this movie. Bunches, tons, everything. Okay, but Sia's worked in music for a long time. She's a very successful singer. She makes these music videos that are, you know, have got, garnered a fair amount of acclaim and some controversy. Is music a good musical? No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Uh, the, mu- the music doesn't effectively tie into the narrative is, is the problem, no. I would say. I mean... I think some of the music video aspects of the film are are successful to an extent, but they it never does it feel like a musical where the plot is being in any way informed or moved forward by these numbers. They're just kind of there. Yeah, it's a series of music videos, and I I mean I would even go so far as to say I mean I think even the music video elements are mostly just a color scheme. I mean I they're not they're not cinematically interesting uh, only mm-hmm. one of them as i can recall actually really uses any kind of a film technique at all there's one where uh maddie is going and changing her clothes and she has like a little changing room hat on uh, every time she leaves the change room in a new outfit she has this little change room hat on her head so the camera can like zoom in and transition to you know the the, the hat fills the screen and becomes a new change room and she emerges from it everything else is kind of practical props and everything and it, there's the editing in this doesn't really find like those those poses or those you know kind of edit to these kind of impact of the dance sequences mostly choreography in it is i think the choreography is pretty good pretty solid but the, the it, it feels more like you know kind of like the, the it's not captured in a way that really enhances it there's which strikes me as just like the one thing this film should be able to do because i'm sure sia works with the best people 
she you know she's got to have those people on staff and it's it's not there i mean every musical number really is just like makeup and everything is like blue or orange or purple everyone's outfit in the background is all the same color and that's like that's that's her conception of like a a kind of a musical break and it just it's quite tiresome after a while the songs themselves okay i don't really remember any of them i don't really know much about Sia's music generally Chandelier is probably the only one I could actually like recognize and that's because it's literally just a chorus of someone yodeling Chandelier over and over again well, which makes it relatively easy to spot in the wild she's um, probably most famous for Breathe Me which is the song that covered the end like the, the finale of Six Feet Under it plays over the final montage of that series and it's it's like a very famous sequence and a very famous song I actually quite like it a bit but uh, now that I've seen the uh, the content of the film music, I uh, I vote we start a petition to get uh, was not was as walk the dinosaur to replace the finale of mm. uh, Six Feet Under. Steve, what do you say? Absolutely, I'm 100 percent behind it. I'm a big uh, was not was guy. Yeah. You ever heard their their Christmas album, oh. Christmas Time in the Motor City? Great song. Go check that out. Oh, hell yeah. There you go. There's your put over for the fucking week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> support you fully. Yeah, Jesus and and. <laughs> I just love like everything, you know, Sia is trying to say, oh, you know, just you got to watch my movie, watch my movie. Don't judge it before you watch it. And I, I'm hoping that for her, this is stinging extra hard because, you know, when you watch the movie, it doesn't get better. It gets far, far, far worse. And on top of that, this movie truly is the essence of who she is. Like if you watch this and you see all the other things she's done, all the other controversies she's been involved in. Her weird, self-absorbed, detached celebrity shit is, I don't know, it's top tier in my mind. Because she also does this thing where she's just like, oh, I'm cool. I'm not like other celebrities. I'm giving and loving and I'm just talking about everything with everyone. So she overshares and makes bad decisions that she believes are good. Uh, and she has a bunch of people standing around her going like, oh yeah, that's good shit. So yeah, keep keep going. And I keep thinking about something in Sia's life which was not controversial to anyone other than myself, and I don't know why. I want to talk about Sia's large adult sons. Can we talk about her large adult sons for a minute? This this is uh, was a huge thing for me to learn. Um, I don't know what the legality of this is, but I guess once <laughs> well, you I, reach I'm a certain income you. threshold, yeah, just whatever, <laughs> go for it. So this, again, Essence of Sia... She's watching a documentary about the foster care system, okay, and how fucked up it is. She sees, on the documentary, she sees a child, okay? And she goes, oh my gosh, I've been so moved by this documentary. I want that one, okay? She didn't want to just adopt a kid. She wanted the specific child from the documentary that she was watching. Now... I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but, you know, for instance, in the, the feature-length film Music, uh, Maddie Ziegler is 14 years old in the film. Today, uh, upon the release of Music to the masses, uh, Maddie Ziegler is 18 years old. These things take time, and sometimes things take more time, and it depends on the movie, documentary, what have you. So, by the time she tracks down this kid in this movie... This kid is 18 years old and like literally just on the verge of getting out of the foster system completely. Okay. 
So she goes, well, I, I want to adopt him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, okay, but can my, can my cousin come with me? He's my best friend of my cousin. And I can't just leave him here. And she's like, oh, I'd never break up a family. So yeah, your cousin can come too. Come to find out they're not related at all. She finds that out later. It's like, ah, they tricked me. <laughs> so now she has not one, but two large adult sons who, I, I, again, I didn't know you could just adopt an 18 year old. I, I thought they just kind of cut you off at that I point. I hope they rob her blind. <laughs> yeah. Good well, for them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she, she's like, this is the best thing. She's she's talking about this on some like extra or entertainment tonight or something like that. And she's like, oh, motherhood is so magical. And I just I never <laughs> would have imagined and blah, 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 blah. Motherhood. You you have adult children that you probably just like give an allowance to and then they go do shit like you. All you did was give money to two very specific people who will now not be poor, I guess. But like. Think of if, if you, there's so many other things you could have done at this point. Or if you decided that you wanted to sponsor these two large adult children, you could have just done that. You didn't have to make it a big thing, but she, she, she had to make it a thing. So now it's, it's weird to me. Everyone else is just like, you are an angel. Your adult children are fabulous. We love you. You are mother of the year. What the fuck are you doing? This is so bizarre to me. Is this not fucking weird? She I mean, she did the same thing. Like, um, she's Maddie's godmother too, somehow, um, and they're neighbors. Uh, and she she's found Maddie through Dance Moms. How we all discovered her as one of the the small dancing children in the show, full of just insane harpy women. Um, and she was so taken with her, she just had to have her in her music videos and she became yeah. not just not just that she'd hire her as a dancer but like she claims that maddie is her muse maddie inspires her and then she moved maddie in next door to her i believe they live next door to each other and she somehow at some point became her godmother which i mean maybe this is just like my my catholic knowledge of things but i feel like godparents are assigned early on and only once mm -hmm. so yeah. i don't i don't know what happened there very very peculiar well something um, tells me she is not following catholic traditions but uh it's probably <laughs> more in the legal guardian sense i would guess you know she's may, may i mean yeah maybe they're just using the term for it i mean honestly based on the dance mom things i mean the all of them lost the lottery on their parents if they're just mm -hmm. willing to show up even if they're acting for dance moms which they most assuredly are to some degree um there was actual court cases there involving a physical assault among the mothers that was filmed for an episode that really did happen so they're not acting that hard and well, frankly just debasing yourself <laughs> yeah just debasing <laughs> yourself by being on this show is is pretty terrible i mean if anyone hasn't seen dance moms it's basically a bunch of tiny little girls who want to be dancers and they're all very good at dancing and we barely see them do anything and it's just a bunch of moms sitting to the side being insane that's the whole show. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of talented kids and then a bunch of adults telling them that they they keep fucking up. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Screaming <laughs> at them and saying, like, you know, basically you're my meal ticket and you gotta work harder. And then they've this weird thing with the dance studio instructor who's just this gruff woman who I don't know, uh, who has insane ideas for the dance numbers. The funniest thing in the show are the dance numbers that are all like conceptual. Honestly, Sia might have taken from them as well. 
and they're like really stupid message piece about like don't drink and drive and it's a bunch of little girls on stage it's like doing a slow motion dance car crash as a message to an audience full of other tiny girls to like not drive while you're bust it's really God. absolutely insane television honestly one of the great american achievements uh among tlc's roster or whoever the hell did it <laughs> oh lord well i mean yeah is there anything else uh anybody would like to add here to our discussion of dance moms music or sia's large adult sons See, I I would say that I find almost nothing remarkable about this film. I mean, it's a bad movie. It's misguided. It's true. But but that again, if I when we do our Oscar cast in a standard year, I would say half the nominees fall into both of those categories. Um, the what interests me about this film more than anything is probably its reception because it does feel to me like even with the problematic content, even structuring around this autistic element that just is just clownish and it does not work and it's disrespectful. I feel like maybe 15 years ago, this would still be celebrated. Oh yeah. And this now been a, it is I am 10 Sam positive reviews <laughs> and the old tomato meter. And everyone says it's the worst thing they've ever seen, but it's just what most interests me is this discourse. Cause it's, it's shifted so drastically. God, I, I, I really I'm we are living in a golden age, too, because just just remember, remember when you hated Crash when it first came out, but you felt like a crazy person because everybody loved Crash. And you're like, what? How can anyone enjoy this? No. At Crash came out today. The the oh, like, no. I don't remember that. happening. No, <laughs> <laughs> that that was that was fun, though, because people would be like, oh, have you seen Crash? And then you start talking about the Cronenberg one and then they become increasingly more and more uncomfortable. So, uh, you know, that gag doesn't work as well anymore because people don't want to talk about Crash. But uh, they've you know. forgotten the other Crash. I mean, mm. Agassiz Crash doesn't even exist anymore. No. Powerful, ludicrous uh, performance just down the drain. <laughs> really sad stuff. <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering, as Adam says about the discourse changing, like, I I don't know, like, why did this movie take so long to be released? And I was wondering if, like, it's... Because I don't know if the, the tone changed that much in, like, five years. The film was in production, for, I think, 2015 is when they started, and it got released, obviously, now, 2021, um, on or about, like... You know, in five or six years, was that an enough time for things to change? But I don't think so. I, I think, Adam, you're probably right. Like ten years ago, probably it would have been, yeah, would have been okay. But I think even in 2015, I think this thing would have been people would have pounced on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, do do you want to know why it took so long to come out? I'm hoping it's because a bunch of people physically restrained her and just tried <laughs> to stop her. If only that were the case. Uh, no, yeah, unfortunately. She insisted on editing the film herself instead of just hiring out to an editor. So that's what took so long. She's just like, editing's hard. I hate it. So she just <laughs> took her like, I don't know, four years to edit the damn thing. Holy shit. And the editing's not even good. Wow. No. And there's a lot of things where you're like, you literally should cut out whole chunks of this. But yeah, just like the scene to scene editing and the flow of the movie is, is not great. It has a real... Uh, stilted quality to it and uh, the pacing's uneven it's just it's I mean this is the least of its fucking problems uh, but <laughs> you know just to throw that out there it's uh, it's not great not great so 
Oh, Lord. That's beautiful, though, that she sat with this for, like, five years, and at any point she could have just pulled the plug, buried it, and yeah. she just didn't, and that's amazing. Yeah, this is like, it's one of those things where there's there's so many people involved that you you really can't discount the power of celebrity and ego when it comes to the drive to just put something out, no matter how grotesque the thing happens to be. This is... This is Kendall Jenner when she handed the can of Pepsi to the cop in the in the Super Bowl commercial. This is that in, in feature length film form. I mean, the CS scene is basically just that as well. I'm going to give Percocet to children with crushed limbs in Haiti. That's, that's, her, that's, <laughs> that's what she so says. That's so good. I, I love this too because on top of like everything else, you, I know for a fact, even though Sia's like, oh, I did all this research and homework on autism and blah, blah, blah. She She didn't even Google like, she doesn't know what a drug dealer does. She doesn't understand drugs. How could she understand autism? She's just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to fill up my private plane with perks and I'm going to go down to Haiti and I'm just going to give all these little limbless children all the fucking morphine and perks they can handle. No. What? And and when I play this character, I'm going to look good. And I think she said she, she had, someone else originally cast for the role of like the pop star. Uh, like it was like Katy Perry or something like that. And then she's like, yeah. And then the last minute Katy Perry decided she didn't want to do it. Like, yeah. What did you give her the whole script? And she read it because that seems like <laughs> pretty likely scenario. Could have just gave her that one scene for her to read. And she would have been like, nah, I don't think this is a fucking yeah, well, yeah. just her own lines. I'm pretty sure someone who worked with like an assistant or something was just like, I think you should give this a pass. And she's like, okay, I'll follow your advice on this. And I'm just wondering if Sia should maybe try and find that person and pay them yeah. a little extra to work for her instead. Connect with that person. That would, that would be for the best, I think. Uh, but yeah, like it, all the drug stuff in this is weird. Like there's this part where uh, Zoo goes to buy drugs initially and he goes to hand or she goes to hand the drug dealer man this envelope full of money and he's like oh feels a little light she's like yeah it's a little light and then he gets really really mad and then i'm thinking wouldn't the solution here be i'll give you fewer drugs for less money it doesn't seem like this should be a, a point of contention and then there's all this stuff where he's like you know threatening her and all oh, i could make bad things happen all zoo does is just kind of fuck over this drug dealer but at no point are there any actual consequences for her actions. Like, she's just... <laughs> it feels so appropriate to the drug dealer is, um, is Ben Schwartz, I think is the actor's name. Yeah. It's like Jean Raphael from fucking Parks and Rec, but with cornrows. And it's just like, I, you know, again, just feels perfectly in tune with the kind of film this is. Mm -hmm. Just awkward and weird and uncomfortable. You wonder yeah. what anyone's fucking doing in this movie. Like, why the fuck's Tig Notaro here? <laughs> I, I so, feel yeah, like she thought she was in something different. Oh, did you notice <laughs> th at the end um, th who plays uh, Zoo's neighbor in the apartment hallway? Oh, yeah. Henry oh. It's fucking Henry Rollins pops out. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> and gets oh scared and calls the police. He gets, yeah, and he runs Henry away. Rollins. That's, that's the whole scene with Henry Rollins. Caller. Oh, God. I, I did not notice that. That's that's the Easter egg I didn't need. Uh, that's great. Uh, another fun thing is you would think that like Tig Notaro's scene where she, she plays this like children's television host. If if you're not planning on watching this, which, yeah, don't watch it. Um, it. It's just like a children's live action 
like Mr. Rogers type of thing. Um, I left the movie on and I like left the room, went to the bathroom, did something else. And the credits ran through. And then there's a there's a there's a secret scene at the end. Well, bonus. And it's more of the Tignataro stuff. It's like a full five minutes of Tignataro children's show that you are treated to. So they thought it was so good that people would want to stick around for the after the credits scene. Really powerful stuff. Like, who is this movie for? Like, this movie is for, like, middle class white people who, like, like Tig Notaro's deadpan comedy stylings. You know, like, this movie is for no one. It's for people who are not affected by anything in the movie. It's for oblivious moms. It's oblivious yeah. mom cinema yeah. who don't want to learn anything about autism. They're just like, it feels important. It's, it's colorful and glass of wine and, and watch music. Oh, yeah. This is this is two glasses of shard and a good cry for me. Let me tell you, uh, yeah, that's I don't know, man. It's 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 a lot. Just don't watch it. You don't have to watch this uh, unless you want two glasses of shard and a, and a good cry because you're a big idiot who doesn't want to learn anything. I mean, what are you gonna cry about in this movie though? Like the fucking <laughs> the hug, the boxing hug. Is that supposed to be boxing the boxing hug? Is, <laughs> good man. cry at how far we have yet to come to have a. a society that isn't just deeply fucked up and produces things like Sia's worldview. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, uh, I guess I guess we have to wrap up our symposium now. So normally at this point, I would ask you guys to uh, to put something over, you know, but I think we're going to do things a little bit different. This week, uh, I want you to answer a simple question. Throughout the film music, the titular character music has her headphones on, presumably listening to music, but we're never treated to what she is listening to. So my question for you this week, gentlemen, Jack, what is music listening to? Mersbo. <laughs> Good answer. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. That's, I was kind of leaning that way too. Like it's got to be Mersbo or, uh, or White House. That would probably be uh, another good choice. Little melt um, banana on the side for some of the yeah. other seeds, but yeah, mostly Mersbo is just uh, keeping herself centered and calm. For sure, for sure. Uh, Jake, what do you think? Uh, either Rammstein or a dial tone on a loop. Mm. Also, good choices. Myros, what do you think? I mean, I, I was in the character's headspace because I mean, I'm walking around all day with headphones too, and normally for me, it, it's a it's a soothing podcast of some sort. Maybe the Doughboys. <laughs> i can see that she i mean she does have an interest in food because in that in that opening sequence she's like walking down the street and gets like a like a watermelon on a stick so that that makes sense uh (laughs) now i can't stop thinking about the movie like that i think that's our winner that's the best thing i've ever heard yeah, I was I was still I was stuck on the music aspect of it. I I didn't think of her as much of a podcast listener, but I was thinking uh, Steely Dan's nineteen eighty album Gaucho, um, but uh, which is which it's underrated. It's underrated. You know, not enough people talking about how good Hey Nineteen is. Ah, well, <laughs> sorry, fucking Doughboys. <laughs> All right, well, that pretty much wraps things up. So, uh, if you are listening to this podcast right now, you need to do us a big old favor. There's two links in the description of this podcast. The first one will take you to our iTunes page. Uh, and if you have not done it yet, please give us a five-star written review. 
it's important that you do this because I don't know, man, iTunes algorithm is fucked up. And if we don't have a bunch of five-star written reviews, then our discoverability goes down and then no one can find us. And how sad would that be? There's another link as well. And that will take you to our Patreon page. And uh, if you could throw us a couple bucks, it'd be super helpful. Podcasting is expensive. Shit costs money. Sean Glynis, he's got a broken microphone. We got to remedy that through the power of Patreon. And, uh, you know, there's, it, it, you just throw us a couple bucks, three bucks, that'll get you access to whole backlog of exclusive podcasts and written content. Uh, there's brand new Patreon exclusive content. More of that's coming soon. In addition to that, uh, there's a few other bonuses. I think I'm just, I'm just going to announce this here. I didn't even warn you guys I'm going to announce this, but shit's getting announced. And we'll probably flesh this out more later. But uh, if you are already an Optimism Vaccine Patreon subscriber... Or if you become a Patreon subscriber at any level, uh, I'm going to mail you a Blu-ray or a DVD or maybe even a box set from my personal collection. Wow. You're going to get some shit in the mail. That's right. That's right. Um, you you do not get to choose uh, genre format. Uh, if, if I want to send you a, a VHS tape of like my parents' home movies of me when I was four years old, I might do that. That's completely possible. So you don't know what you're going to get, but you're going to get something in the mail. So really, if you think about it, you can give us $3 to help this podcast, and I will send you for the for just 3 bucks, or you can do 5 or you can do 20 whatever you want. I will send you a movie. That's I mean, that's basically, you know, you're getting the, you're getting the Patreon content, and you're getting a movie for free at that point. It's very exciting for you. And if you want to subscribe at a higher level, um, you know, you could do a tier where you get a shout out on the air. So you could be the next Paula or you could be the next Dustin and get your shout out. Or you could get up to the highest tier where you actually get to dictate content that we put on the air. Very exciting for you. Okay. So yeah, donate a couple bucks. We're going to send you shit in the mail. That is exciting. And on top of all of this, I've decided that if we hit a thousand dollars per month as our, as our goal, uh, Jack has to join the Marines. He has to serve his country. You know, he's, he's been here for a long time and he passed the citizenship test, but does he really care about America? I don't know. Jack, what do you think? No. <laughs> do you, do I, I care about a lot of things very deeply. This country though, it's, it's fine. It's okay. It's, it's got some good restaurants. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe you hate Jack. Imagine, imagine how great it would be if you hate Jack and then you got to put his like mid thirties Irish ass in the Marines and people are shooting at him. So whether you love Jack or you hate him, this is a great opportunity. We don't fight anyone who can shoot at us. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) The only way the Marines die is crashing their own helicopters. (laughs) Which you certainly would do. Okay. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. That shit looks complicated. Mm -hmm. You, you put this guy in a cockpit, he's a real fucking John McCain, let me tell you. Just, he can't keep it in the air. Jack's going to be a <laughs> sleeper agent suicide bomber for the Marine Corps. <laughs> accidentally, I'm just going to crash a helicopter into the Fort Hood mess hall. Crew of 50 guys, <laughs> gone. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. Famous last words. So how much do people have to donate to make that happen? I wouldn't be too worried about it, Jack. We're a ways off. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> We're about uh, 0.5% of the way. There. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Um, 
Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the place to send those. Adam Myros is standing by, hitting refresh on the inbox. And you can always tweet at us, at optimismvaccine. And that pretty much wraps things up. So, Jake, final word is yours. You know, uh, all this time we thought we were teaching music when actually music was teaching us. Damn. Damn.